Father, um, man, you're awesome. Thank you for uh, what you've already done here tonight and what you will continue to do. And Lord, I ask for a really bold prayer right now from you. I am always encouraged that in the Old Testament it says that you see our heart. And so, God, I would ask something for each of these women in here tonight. I know that you see their heart. I know you see behind some of the masks we can um, erect in front of ourselves. And so, God, would you go and penetrate deeply into their hearts, Father, where they can see you, where they can have comfort that they need, where they can have the provision that they are looking for, where the, the assurance of who you say that you are, that that assurance would be with them this evening. Most of all, God, I just pray, God, that your name would be made great tonight. For this time is yours. We praise you. And I pray that it blesses you tonight, Father. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. My husband and I did something that was hard for us. Um, on our hard scale, it was up there pretty high. And it was on August 21st of this year. Now, we knew that it was, this was coming for years and years and years. It was coming. And so we did everything we could to prepare for it. And we thought when it got here, we're going to be all right. Because I've prepared for a long time for this and it's going to be okay. It wasn't like the way I thought it was going to be. We took my firstborn son, Cole West McCoy, to college. I thought I would be so excited. I mean, you hear that. You know that in their teenage years, they drive you so crazy that you're like, goodbye, have a great time, and don't write. We'll write you. Um, it, was not, it was not that. It was a really, really tough time. And I just dreaded for that day. But, but what is, know this about me. I'm not so crazy that I'm not, I wasn't excited for this next life for him, this new life, this new thing that he's stepping into. It wasn't that I wasn't excited. I did it myself. And there's so many cool opportunities that are going to come his way and grow him into the man that God's called him to be. What affected me the most was that um, not even the distance that he was now be away from me. For Pete's sake, he's at Texas State. He's three and a half hours down the road. What, what really affected me was that this chapter of our lives has closed. And things will no longer be the same. And that now we start in a whole new adventure. And now he's a young man that is about to go off on his own. And he doesn't have to be anywhere I say pretty much anymore. And we did, yeah, vacation is almost an option that he comes with us now. And so I know so many of you moms are right there with me. You, you did, you experienced that yourself this summer. You might have had, maybe not college, maybe you had to go and um, drop him off as they entered the military. Maybe some of you dropped him off um, at their new home. Maybe they're going to live somewhere in the nation. Maybe they're going across the ocean and live there. Whatever it is, I know that you know that and that um, it's a tough thing to have to go through in life. And so let me tell you how neurotic I am. Um, a lot of these women are picking that up on me. But that as he was graduating, and I watched him walk across the stage, as he was descending the little stairs there to go down, my, my, my brain went in rapid fire of this. This is what I thought, oh, my word. Have we prepared him for what's ahead? Have we given him everything that he's going to need to know? And in that moment, in that moment, I should have been paying attention to what was going on. I wasn't. I was gone on to something else. I was making a mental list of everything he needed to know for this next stage. You know what I'm talking about. Y'all have done it too. You can Google a list about what they need to know, and it'll tell you what to do. Did you know that? But in my mind, I'm thinking, we have spent so many years doing this. We have prepared him. But just in case he didn't know, we need to go back over it, and let's add a few more things. So right away, this summer was packed. 
filling our list, checking off this list of information that we've provided for them. Here's how do you change your tire. Yes, I know how to change a tire. Well, let's learn how to do it again. Here's how do you check the oil. We do that all the time. I know this, but you need to know this again. He and his dad are out there doing those things. And I'm like, here's how you do the laundry. I had not prepared him to do that. I just want you to know I'm one of those bad moms. Quick, get down here. Darks and lights, they don't go together. Let me tell you, if you put those red shorts with that white underwear, it equals pink underwear. That is the first equation you need to know, Cole. Don't even worry, I'm already ahead of your math class right now. If you do that, it's not going to go cool for you. It won't be good. And so the list goes on and on. Every single day, this is not an exaggeration, every day that I went to HEB this this summer, every time I picked up something for his medicine box that I'm going to send him... By the end of the summer, I kept coming in with this stuff, and my husband kept going, what are you doing? I'm like, he just might need this. He's like, what's it for? I have no clue. There was half this stuff. I don't even know what you would do it for, but you never know. He might need it. I will not know how to instruct him if he needs it, but he's got it. So this huge box of medicine has gone with Cole to school, and the list goes on and on, and you, you emotionally prepare for them. You tell them things like, you know, now listen, you got to make friends. Don't forget. Don't forget. If you don't study now, now I know you blew off all of high school, but if you don't study now, that sucker's going to catch up with you. You go in to take your test, and it is over, buddy. You won't be able to study. I mean, you're just, I did the best I could to prepare him or scare him, I guess some others would say on that end, to get him ready. And I know that the reason why I did this is because I love him. My husband and I, we love him deeply. We love him so much that we want to know that he has got everything he can to step into this new life. And we know that at times there's going to be things that um, he's not going to know what to do. There's some hard stuff that's coming his way. I'm sure of that just as it's in our own lives. But I've tried to do everything I could knowing confidently that we could send him forward out into this world and to be equipped in that way. And Cole has done a really good job. I cannot believe that in three weeks he will be done. After the Thanksgiving break, he'll be done with his first semester in college. And I have watched him knock it out of the park. I've watched him dig into that list that we've given him over the summer. I've watched him prepare for classes. And I've watched him go into his medicine kit. Um, I have. We had to get... I was so excited. He had a sore throat. It was awesome. We used it. Yes. I'm not crazy. Get a medicine kit, ladies, um, on that. And so he did that. But... There's always a but when it comes to your kids. But I do get the occasional phone call. And it makes me wonder, do you not remember what we've already talked about? Just last week, I am writing this lesson. I get a phone call. It's Cole. I'm going to hey, buddy, what's up? Well, it's raining a lot here. And I've been walking class to class, and I'm drenched. And I'm miserable. Well, two things go through my head been really dry around here. I wish we could have some of that rain. That's the compassionate side of me coming out. Um, I I, I wish um, that we could have some of that rain. The second thing was, um, hmm, we've we've gone over this. Now, Cole, and so I gently tried to tell him, do you remember right when we were about to walk out of your room, the last thing I said to you was, Cole, look at this nice, new, durable, black, very masculine umbrella. I'm going to set it on the top shelf where your wallet, your watch, your baseball cap, everything else is. I'm going to put it right here so you can see it. So when it rains, you can use it. You know what he said? Huh? I didn't know it was there. (laughs) So we hang up, hang up. I kind of want to you know, what are, what are we doing here? I want to do that. But you know, instead, I'm writing this lesson and then it, I realized something. There's the biggest spiritual lesson here. I think I have a glimpse how the Lord feels. Because you know what he's done? He's not a neurotic mom like me who makes a last minute list and goes for a Hail Mary at the very end hoping that he'll learn everything in two months. He prepared the word for us in the very beginning. His Bible. 
And everything we need, everything we need to walk out this life successfully in him, because it, the Bible says when we go into accepting him and we've asked Jesus into our life, that this, we have this new life. It's a new season for us. And so he prepares us by giving us his word, and he's given it to each of us. But sometimes you and I, we could be a lot like Cole. Maybe we forget. We forget that it's there. I don't know what happens to me when I do those kind of things. Maybe we're just unaware. We don't know that it's even there to be had for us to walk this out successfully. Because, see, the Lord knows we're going to need this stuff. But what's really cool about the Lord is because he loves us deeply. He loves everyone. He gave us Jesus, and he wants us all to come to him. That's why he gave us Jesus in the first place. But when we become his, when we've asked Jesus into our life, the Bible says that we are adopted as children into him. And so game over for him because now we're his kids. And so he's going to give us everything that he can to supply us with the information we need to cover every single thing we come in contact with, everything. Nothing, there's, there's going to be areas of Cole's life that I did not prepare him for. That is not the same with what God does for us. His Bible covers it all, but yet we forget about it. We don't use it. Maybe we don't want to take the time to look in there. Maybe we're tired of waiting on whatever it is in there to come the way that we want it to come. There's a lot of reasons. And so that the Lord, um, I think, is a lot like us thinking, I put it right there. Did you not hear me? I love you. I want you to be prepared. It's right there. I left it for you. He gives us everything we need to weather the storm. But instead, a lot of times, we stay out there getting wet, drenched, and miserable, just like Cole. We are going to read tonight in the book of Ephesians. Um, if you were here for our Bible study this last semester, we were in Ephesians 6. And um, we're going to be in Ephesians 3 tonight. It is um, a neat thing about this man, Paul, who wrote Ephesians, is that uh, at the time of this writing, he's actually in prison. And he's in prison because he's doing the work of the Lord. And so they've thrown him in prison for that. And so I want, when I read these verses to you, which will be on the screen, it'll be Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, and we'll go through 12. But listen to the joy this man has as he's sitting in prison for doing the work of the Lord. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news, meaning the good news of Jesus. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all of the unseen rulers and authority in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. He's talking about coming boldly into his presence while he sits in a prison. Um, he's a remarkable man, but you know what? Paul wasn't always what we probably would consider remarkable. You know this about him probably. Um, before he came to know Jesus, his name was Saul. He was a Jewish man, and he hears about what's going on, that all these people are believing in Jesus, and he doesn't buy it. He didn't think that's who God sent. He didn't buy that he's the Messiah like he's claiming to be. So Paul's an extremely smart man, very religious man. And so he takes everything he's got, every resource, all of his brains, and everything he does, and he tries to snuff out Christianity. It makes that his mantra, what he is going to do, that he is going to put this away. And so what he does, he goes after he goes after everybody. He goes after women, men, children. He puts them in prison. We also find out he'll put them to death, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, so that this false, this false doctrine can't be going. It, I forget sometimes really how um, 
a bad dude that he was. I, I thought, you know, if he, if he were to come into our worship center right here, let's just fast forward him to this time and age, and we were all kind of back there with him. If he came in as Saul before he knew Jesus, most every one of us would be very fearful for our lives and have a feeling we'd make a run for both of the doors to get out of here. He was that kind of a man. And yet in Acts 9, it says that he had an encounter with the Lord. The Lord comes to him and says, man, why are you doing this? I want you to come to me. And Paul, that was it. Paul comes to know Jesus at that point, and with the same vehemence, the same, uh, the same righteousness he has for God now, he goes and he pours his life into others knowing who Jesus is. He is all in for this. And God, in his wonderful, mysterious way, he uses this man who actually becomes, aside from Jesus, he becomes the greatest missionary that has ever lived. He goes and he writes 13 of the New Testament books, 13 of them. That's almost half of what's in the New Testament. And he uses this man, this man that tried to um, snuff out Christianity. He uses it to spread it to its fullest. Only God would do something like that. Paul knew something. He knew something about um, the Lord. He knew that um, once he asked him to come into his life, he believed something that I think sometimes that we might not fully believe, but that he forgave him and that he wasn't the same person anymore. And he went boldly and fully and confidently forward and allowed God to use him. He took him at his word. Again, it says in verse 7, By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news, though I am the least deserving of God's people. This is not false humility. He's not saying that tongue-in-cheek, so you're like, no, Paul, you really are. No, he's not saying that. You know what? He's really close to the truth. He tried to go against God himself, God's plan himself, and take people out and do whatever it took to make it no more. He was the least. He is the least, if you judge in those terms. He wasn't trying to be falsely humble about that at all. And yet he didn't, he didn't let this horrid life that he led beforehand, he did not let that... Uh, intimidate him. He did not let that keep him or hinder him from being used by God. Now that seems maybe kind of, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. But you know what? Um, how many of us, how many of us look at our life before Jesus? How many of us look at our life before Jesus and we have kept those sins, those things that we have, the things that we've committed, the things that we originally had to come to God in the first place? How many of us have let that keep us from being useful in the kingdom of God? I couldn't do that. I, man, if, if they knew everything that I had done, you know what? Actually, those people have seen what I've done before then. I can't go and minister to them. I can't talk. I can't do that. I can't serve here. I can't do those things. Listen, God called a broken people to himself, a broken, sinful people. There was no way um, we were going to get to come to him unless we had Jesus. And so he had to send this perfect sacrifice in to these broken people. And you know what he wants to do with these broken people? He wants us to go after other broken people. So if we're going to hide and, and hinder ourselves from the sin we've done, we're not going to be real effective re reaching other people because that's part of our story. That's who we are, and God wants to use that. Paul never hides that in the book. He never hides it. We know everything about him and how bad he was. And he uses it to glorify God. So it doesn't matter what you've done before you came to Jesus. It doesn't matter. You, I mean, you could have been an adulterer. You could have killed a million people. You could have, uh, I mean, have every addiction in the world. Whatever you think is the sin, it doesn't matter. Jesus came for you, and God wants to use you because you're a broken people to go serve other broken people. That's the way this thing works. Look, we have a hurting world out there. 
Have you ladies noticed? Man, everybody is trying to find that one thing that will bring them happiness, that will set them free from what is just just pressing in on their life. And that answer is Jesus because it is God who created each of us. And that is what he wants to use as us. And in that brokenness to go to others and say, this is my story. I was broken too. I was exactly where you were. This is what he did. He came into my life. You don't have to know this big theology thing and cite every single verse in the Bible before you can be used by him. You just get out there and say, look, I was once lost, but I'm found. You're a beggar telling somebody else where to find bread, right? So this is the first thing we're going to learn tonight. When it comes to your sin, you need to ditch your baggage. I'm going to say that again. When it comes to your sin, you need to ditch your baggage. You know what? I know we have some flight attendants in here. You'll get this because let me tell you something. You know how when you go to the airport, I went last week and Karen and I were talking about, should we check our baggage in or should we put it, should we just carry it on with us? And do we want to get it lost? Listen, this is not the airport. Give them your baggage, check it in and tell them do whatever they want with it. You do not want it back. Check your baggage in and tell them to lose it. Lose it. You don't need it anymore. I don't want it. Paul didn't hang on to that. He very well could have hang on, hung on to that. There were two things he could have done here. Two paths he could have taken. He could have taken Jesus out of his word. He could have said, thank you, Lord. I give you my life. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to continue staying at home. I'm going to be a tent maker. I'm going to do a few good things around here. And that'll be good. And one day I'll die and I'll wake up and I'll be in heaven. And it will work like that. That would have worked for him on that. But you know what he said? He took another route. He said, all right. I believe what you say, that when I ask Jesus into my life, that my sins are not only forgiven, but they are wiped away, and that you want to use me. So game on, let's do this. I'll go where you want me to go. And so he sends him out all over the countryside, everywhere, and he has every experience in the world, and it's hard. It is hard, ladies. It's not an easy thing. When you go to serve Jesus, there's some days where it kicks your backside, and you think, why me? I don't want to do this anymore. Man, they just, I don't know what they're thinking about me. And now I don't know if I can go back to them and I can tell them about Jesus. I don't know what kind of witness I can be. Mm, It's real on that. And you know what Paul does? You know how he finally looks at it? You know what his key is? He looks, he looks at his life through the same lens that God looks at his life. So he puts that lens on. Do you know what that lens is? It's the life of Jesus. And when he looks through that lens, when he looks through Jesus' life, his death on the cross, and when he looks at us, you know what Paul saw, what God saw in Paul? White, beautiful, clear white all over him. There wasn't a mark of sin to be had. He didn't see that. See, God says that when you come to know him through his son Jesus and your sins are forgiven, that they are removed from you as far as the east is from the west. It doesn't mean east is from the west around the globe and they'll meet back together again because that's the way a lot of us act, right? Woo, here it comes and we're going right back here on this side. No, he says east and west. I don't know which direction is east and west, but out that way and it takes off and out that way and it goes both ways and they never come back again. God's not remembering these things. Why are we letting it hinder us? Ditch your baggage. What are you hanging on to right now? What is keeping you from God using you like he wants to in the kingdom of God? What are those things? What sin do you hold on to? Now, I want to tell you that once you become a follower of Jesus, you still can use some of those same sins to keep you from doing the work of the Lord. Just last week, the Lord made this come home really hard to me. I was reading something. And in my mind, I had a really nasty retort in my mind to what I read. It was not good. And so, in God's gracious way, convicted me very hard. That is so not my character. What are you doing? 
And I had to confess that. I had to confess it, man, and be like, oh, you're right. You're right on this. So I did. Later that night, I was walking to go to a ministry event, going out the back of my house, opened up the door, thought, this guilty thought comes into my head. Hmm. Why are you, why are you going to a ministry event? You shouldn't go to a ministry event. Why are you serving a ministry? Did, you don't remember what you just did earlier, right? You can't be with other women if you're still working on your own stuff. Somebody else should probably do that. And I was going with that thought. Oh, you're so right. You're right. I, sh I shouldn't be doing this. You're right. And then I stopped for a second. I'm thinking, wait, I'm just doing this lesson. It's just about this. And I thought, you know what? You're right. I am not worthy on my own to be doing this. But you know what? Through Jesus Christ, I am worthy to go and do this. And now that becomes part of my story. And I can tell y'all, sisters, I'm a sinner saved by the forgiveness of the sins through Jesus Christ. And I can let that, and you can let that even as followers to say, I shouldn't go speak to those women. I shouldn't lead those students. I shouldn't tell my neighbor. I've got this stuff going on. Now, I'm not saying that you sit here and you'd be sitting in your sin and going out and telling everybody else about Jesus too. I'm saying confess it up. Get it, get it gone between you and serve mightily in the Lord and use that as part of your story, not as part of your baggage. I heard this one time and it sticks in my brain all the time. Jesus conquered sin, not sins. Jesus conquered sin, not sins. So if you think of this, this is what this kind of means. If you think of it in terms of sins, well, I know he's forgiven me of that time I gossiped and maybe when I, um, I told that little white lie and maybe when I um, had that thought, then you still kind of maybe hang up. But I know what they did, especially if you do comparative lives, but they're not going to forgive what that person did. Or that's a, that's a big sin. That's the biggie one. And so we say that Jesus conquered, we kind of give this idea that he conquered sins, individual sins. He didn't do that. He came out and he conquered sin as a whole, overall. There's nothing anyone in here, we could all probably outdoozy each other on what we've done. And nobody, nobody is not covered in here. Nobody. Nobody. Try it. Anybody want to stand up and say something? <laughs> I, you know, I'll share with you. Come on up here. Don't think that you're the one that's holding the one sin that Jesus' life did not cover, because you are not. Jesus conquered sin, not sin. So what are you holding on to in your life right now that you need to let go of? You need to ditch, ditch that baggage. God is preparing us for this life in him, and the way he prepares us is first to say, get rid of that baggage, I want to use you. Get rid of that baggage, I want to use you. Ephesians 3.8 says, Though I am the least deserving of all of God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. The privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I love this part. Um, when, we, um, when we get our English Bible, we, we go and we take it from the Greek because it's originally written there. And um, a lot of times it's hard for us in our words in English to, to get the exact word of what they meant in the Greek. But we do the best we can. And so endless treasures in the Greek is the word annex ichniastos. And it means this. It means past finding out. Too deep. Too deep to be tracked out. Too deep to be measured. That God has these treasures for us as believers in Christ that we could never, ever count. We could sit here and spend eternity, and we would never get to the bottom of them. So another thing we need to learn, we need to ditch our baggage, but the next thing we need to do, God wants us to use the treasures in his treasure box. 
He wants us to use those treasures. My family and I go to summer. We go to Colorado every summer. And when we do, um, we have a lot of fun. But this year, we had a really interesting time. My husband is very adventuresome. He's so much fun. We never have a dull moment around him. And right before he went, he um, had been reading about, you might have heard about it. He'd been reading about a treasure that a man named Forrest Finn had hidden. It was his own treasure. It's modern day. He did it just a few years ago. He's an older gentleman, and it's a long story why he went and did that. But he went and he hid this treasure. It's valued at uh, maybe over $2 million. It's got gold nuggets in it. It's got jewelry. It's got all kinds of artifacts and cool stuff in this box that he put it in. He went out on his own. He buried it. He goes and tells um, the media. They know it. So he's been in some news programs. He goes and writes a book about it, giving clues to where it is, tells why he did it. Um, There's blogs of people that have it all over the internet, you can find so much about this treasure. Now, you want to know where he hid it? He hid it somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. That could be all the way from Montana down to New Mexico. He hid it somewhere in there. And so we're in Colorado. We think we're sitting pretty. And so my husband gets all of us to start looking at every clue. My in-laws are there too, and we are spending hours. Well, okay, they were spending hours looking at clues. I don't have that attention span, but they are looking up every clue they can of where this treasure might be. And after several days of our vacation, they decide that we were near it. We are near it. We know where it is. So, so I'm like, mm-hmm. So they get in the car and they travel about really early. It's my father-in-law and my husband. And they go about four hours from where we are in the middle of, of, of a forest. And um, somewhere in the Rocky Mountains, I don't even know where they were. And they start looking for this treasure to find it, to see what's there. And I was thinking as they were gone, what is it about treasure? What is it that we like? The thrill of just looking for it. I think that's what drives my husband. But you know, I think most of us, we like the security if we found it. We found that, if we found that treasure, man, for some of us, we could pay off our bills. We could send our kids to college. We could be set. We could retire. We could pay off our house. We could buy a car. There's so many things that the security, the physical security that we could have from it. And God gives us endless treasures in his word. So we have spiritual security. There's nothing, there's nothing that we need outside of what his word is. He'll provide that to us. He'll tell us how he'll provide it to us. I love the idea of treasure, and I love that God's given it to us and that they're endless. And so I think it's kind of fun to look at them. Now, there's, they're endless, and I won't do that list tonight, but I'll talk about a few of them with you real quick. There's the treasure of salvation. To me, this is the most, to me, ah, oh, mm. As a follower of Jesus, sometimes I forget of the wonder of what Jesus did on the cross for me. And that I get to spend eternity with him and with my family and my friends. And I don't even have to wait till then, that here in this life now, he's prepared me now that I can walk this thing out um, because I'm, I'm saved through him. And he'll work in my life and he'll use my life. And that's the same for all of you who follow Jesus. And if you don't follow Jesus yet, if you haven't asked him into your life, this, this treasure is for you as well. See, God is a holy God. He cannot come into the presence of sin. And we know in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he cannot come into that presence. And so he made a way through Jesus. It was his perfect life that he gave, and he died, and he rose again, and he made that available to you. So if you don't know that, you can have salvation too. That's for you as well. So the riches of salvation, do you have, do you have that treasure? Do you own that treasure? There's the treasure of his glory. I want to read you, I love this, in Exodus When we see God's glory, when you know God's glory, you know what it is? You are seeing the goodness of God. You are experiencing the goodness of God when you see his glory. In Exodus 34, 6, there's a story about Moses. You might have heard this before. Um, 
he, uh, he tells God, he kind of is frustrated with the Israelites. He's kind of frustrated with them, and he's kind of talking to God, and he kind of goes to me, he says, I want to see your glory. God says, well, all right, you're going to, but I'm going to have to put my hand in front of you as I walk by because you won't be able to stand it. So he walks by him, he shows him his physical glory, puts his hand on him. A few chapters, a few verses later, God comes, into a, comes in a cloud, puts his glory kind of in a cloud, and he actually meets with Moses. And when he's meeting with Moses, he tells him of his glory. He describes himself. So let me tell you just a few words how God describes himself. He does it all over the Bible, but in these words, he is actually speaking The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, means sovereign one. The God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to the thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. It's a God who calls himself. I mean, who doesn't need that? Who doesn't need forgiveness? Who doesn't need love? Who doesn't need this comfort? He wants to provide that for you. It's the treasure of his glory. So it's in those times when you don't know where he is. It's quiet. I, I'm struggling here. I need to hear from you. I got to make a decision. I'm not, I don't know what to do here and those kind of things. that You don't have to freak out because you've seen his glory, that he's trustworthy, worthy, that he's good, that he's faithful, that he's a promise keeper, that he's who he says he is, that he answers all prayers, all of those things. Have you gone into the treasure box and seen his glory that he's giving? He prepares you for this. The treasure of being a conqueror. Romans 8, if God is for us, who can be against us? If you are a Christian right now walking out in this culture, wow, what do they think? You're closed-minded. You're not relevant. You're bigoted, you're uh, anything. I mean, they'll name it all of stuff that we're doing that we have no relevance to the culture here. And so you feel like, wait a minute, God, I thought we were the conquerors in this. I thought we we're victorious in this. We know we read about this, but right now we feel like a really small people group and a bunch of people who are doing everything that we would really call sin and saying that it's good and that we all should join in and do it. And if it feels good, we should do it. And to each, it's up to each and every person to decide what's best for them. And everybody's just going all crazy and making up their own minds and doing their own things. There's no standard anymore, and there's no, there's no God. And so if you follow that, you got to be crazy. What are you thinking? Are you a dreamer? And God says, you are victorious. You are conquerors. That if, 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 if anyone is against us, if anyone's against God, we don't have to worry because he is for us, and he has won this thing. Where do you feel defeated? Where do you feel defeated in your life? Where do you feel like there's no hope? He extends that victory to you because you are his. You are his child. And he wants you to have this victory. The treasure of his wisdom. Man, that is all over the Bible. James, Psalms, Proverbs. I don't know if you guys ask for this a lot, but I ask for it all the time. There are so many decisions that we have to make. If you're a mom, there's tons of parenting decisions. Or if you work, or if you want to retire, or if you, how do I have that discussion with that person? What should I do in this certain situation? Should I buy that? Should I sell this? Should I marry him? Should I date him? It, it just goes on and on and on, and we need his wisdom. We need his counsel to come into us. And he tells us, ask me. I will give it to you. Ask me, are you going into the treasure box and taking advantage of the treasure of his wisdom? And finally, the treasure of trusting the direction of your life. Ah, I don't know if it's God's will. Is this God's will that this is happening to me, that where I should be and what should happen and what should go on? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Right, Jeremiah 29 and 11, I've got my plans for you. They're just prosper you, not to harm you. Romans 8, 28, 
All things are going to work for your good, especially if you're called according to his purpose. He's got a plan for you. Do you trust him? This is the hardest thing for control freaks. It is. You're a woman who likes control. I get this. I'm the same thing. Sister, you got to let go. He wants it and he'll drive it, but you got to trust him to do it. That might be the one thing he's coming after you right now is to let go. Get in the treasure box. See, he knows what's best for your life right now. For you're walking out this life in him. He's providing it. Hello? Are you using it? Is it on the top shelf of your closet? Hmm. Got to ask yourself, are we using it? Are we using the wisdom that he's given us? What is keeping you from taking it? Finally, in Romans 3.12, I love this. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into his presence. So to live this life, there's three things we need to do. We need to ditch the baggage. We need to jump into the treasure chest. And we need to use what is there to do this successfully. And the final thing is this, that God wants you to accept the invitation to come boldly and confidently into his presence. He wants you to accept the invitation to come boldly and confidently into his presence. My son Cole is a phone call away. He can call me, text me, FaceTime me right there, and I can get with him or my husband, and we can kind of help him out in whatever is going on in his life. We can do the best we can from afar, but that's where it kind of ends. But the Lord isn't like that. He's given us prayer because you have access to him 24-7, and he will answer. He will listen, and he will answer. It is amazing to me that the creator of the universe allows me to come right into his presence to speak everything that's on my heart, every fear, every worry, every doubt, all great things, and I get to, he and I get to live this together. When I was right out of Texas A&M, well, it was about a year later, I went to work for a company in Austin, but their, their corporate office was in Chicago. So they fly all the new employees out there so you could go see where the corporate office is. And so we got out there, and while we were there, um, the person who was telling us about our company and this great company that we just joined kept telling us about the CEO and how amazing he was and how he turned this company around. And he is just so active and he's smart and just went on and on about him. And I was getting so excited. How cool would it be to talk to him for a minute and pick his brain and kind of get some ideas and hear his wisdom and to hear from him. And so we got to his building where his office was and we all um, were walking in and we got to the hallway. You could see down at the end, it was kind of turned, but that's corner office. That was his. And so our, our person turned around and they said, now listen, we are going to walk by his office now, we can't go in and see him, but we are going to walk by his office, and you can look in as you go by. So here we all are. You know, and you're kind of like giving it this as you go by. I couldn't even get it in his presence. We pretty much can't get in anybody's presence without an invitation on that. And God's given this open one that says, come to me. Are you doing that? We've got this prayer that we can do that. What's keeping you from it? When was the last time you went boldly into the, and confidently into the presence of God? God accomplished something for us a long time ago through the redemption of Christ, through his life and death. And we get to experience the benefits of that, of the work that Jesus did on the cross way back then. You and I, we get to experience the benefits of that right now. The benefit was him going to the cross was that all of these things, all of these things he gave us so that we could prepare and walk out this life the best that we could. So are you accessing them? He's got them for you. Ditch your baggage. Get in the treasure box. And step boldly into his presence. Let me pray for us. Father, you are a um, sweet God. You have provided for us in every possible way. And just because, God, that we don't take advantage of these things doesn't mean that they're not there. 
And we don't change that just because we don't um, go after them. Because you were faithful to us. And so, Father, we, um, we ask that you would take your words from tonight and that you would put them deep in our heart and that you would um, use them for your glory. If that any way that we have been hindered by thoughts that we aren't affected for you, but that um, we would run with abandon for you wherever you send, whatever you want us to do. Lord, we thank you for a treasure chest that's just full of stuff we can jump into. God, show us those things. I know there's so many areas of women in this room right now. I know that there's some areas of treasure that they need in their life. So God, make it plainly and evident to them. And Father, thank you that right now that you are with us, that we are boldly and confidently right in your presence. And so, Lord, we honor you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.